And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, verse 14. We may occasionally sin, but do not let us plan to sin. Because we have a new master, and because we are under new management. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Let me start by way of review. Romans 6, 1-14 covers sanctification's basis. The basis upon which God sets you and me apart for his possession and use. And that basis for sanctification is union with Christ. This is a position. If you are saved, you have the great position of being united with Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. That was verses 1 to 14. Verses 15 to 23, we are going to see sanctification's practice Sanctification's practice. And what we're going to see is that sanctification's practice is slavery to righteousness. Slavery to righteousness. This is a conduct. So the first 14 verses talk about a position, our union with Christ. Tonight's verses talk about a conduct. Slavery to righteousness. To break down verses 15 to 23 a little further, there's a question There's an answer, and then two types of slaveries are contrasted. Again, in 15 to 23, there's a question, there's an answer, and then two varieties of slaveries are contrasted. So let's start with the question. The question is, may we occasionally plan to sin? May we occasionally plan to sin. Look at verse 15, first half. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Sin here is in the aorist tense. The aorist tense is like a glob of action. Like, ladies, when you are making chocolate chip cookies and you have the batter all prepared and you take some of that batter and you glob it on the baking tray... It's that kind of action. It's a completed glob, but you might glob again. The question is, may we occasionally plan to sin? And the answer is going to come in the second part of verse 15, which we'll get to in a moment. But really the question, can a believer occasionally plan to sin, starts back in chapter 5, verse 20. In chapter 5, verse 20, we read, And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So some Christians say, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So is it okay to glob to occasionally sin? Well, 520's fact led to chapter 6, verse 1's question along a similar line. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Folks thinking along these lines, believers thinking along these lines, basically are asking, is it okay 
to occasionally uh, plan to sin. 6.14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. That fact that we are not under law, but now under grace, leads to the next verse's question. Why not sin from time to time? What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? In other words, since habitual sin is ruled out based on our union with Christ, some believers ask, is occasional planned sin okay since grace superabounds in the face of sin? John MacArthur was on an airplane with a Muslim going to San Antonio, Texas. He had his Bible open, John did, and he was studying the word for preaching it down in San Antonio. And the Muslim said, what are you doing? Is that a Bible? Yes, it's a Bible. Do you know what's in the Bible? Yes, I know what's in the Bible. I'm wondering about peace with God. John said, I can tell you what the Bible says about peace with God. And he began to tell him the gospel. And then John turned it on him and said, you're Muslim. Yes, I'm a Muslim. What do you think about sin? Is there a place for sin in the Muslim faith? You have recognized that there are sins. Oh, yes. There are many sins, too many for me to count. And John said, is there forgiveness for sin in your faith, the Muslim faith? No, sin is not forgivable, and you go to a very bad place after you sin. And John MacArthur said, do you ever sin? He said, as a matter of fact, I met a woman in San Antonio a couple of months ago. We've been in contact with each other, and I'm flying to San Antonio to do some sins with her. John went on to Invite him to trust Christ. He didn't trust Christ. Dr. MacArthur gave him lots of uh, literature by mail and email, but he didn't hear back from him. But it's not just Muslims who fly to San Antonio to do sins. Sometimes believers abuse God's grace and say, I can occasionally sin. I can glop that sin on the cookie uh, baking tray because of grace. And so the question of our passage is may we occasionally plan to sin? Please look at verses 14 and 15 to see the emphatic answer, no. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. May it never be. May it never be. Some versions translate me ganoito, God forbid. Regardless of how it's translated, this is the strongest possible negative in Koine Greek of the New Testament. May it never be. God forbid. In short, it's ridiculous to think that as a believer you may occasionally plan to sin because you're under grace and receive God's sure forgiveness. That is ridiculous thinking. That is absurd thinking. Here's why. 
Occasional planned sin is ridiculous and absurd and totally out of the question for you and me as believers because we have changed masters. We are under new management. We have changed masters by trusting Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We are under new management. Verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? We ought never to think it appropriate to plan occasional sin because we've changed masters and we are under new management. Before the Apostle Paul was born, there was a Roman law which stated that no freeborn man could be enslaved. Therefore, a man could sell himself into slavery, collect the proceeds, and then have a friend come and attest to his status as a freeborn man, and he would have to be released at once, but kept the money. This caused havoc in the Roman Empire and the Roman economy, which was well-oiled by its use of slave labor. Therefore, just before Paul's day, a new law was enacted. Any man who sold himself into slavery could no longer claim the freedom of his position later. The law could no longer help him. It was therefore clear to Paul's readers here in Romans that To whom you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, his slave you are. That's verse 16 again. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue talking about discipleship. And last time we just talked about how we consider a disciple. A disciple looks like the person they're following. And when we consider discipleship, this is a big word that we use in the church and, and around the Christian um, talk. But the reality is, is that all of us are called to be a disciple. All of us are called to be in the process of discipleship. We call ourselves born-again believers. You see, discipleship is the expected standard for all believers. It's not an option. It's a command. And last time we looked at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to to 24, but we want to talk about verse 25 today. But I want to start off at verse 23 so we get the context. And Jesus saying, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Verse 25, For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? You see, we need to recognize what this verse is saying. Because a lot of us, we are so caught up in this world and the culture that we have allowed the world to dictate everything about us. We'd rather be accepted by the world more than we'd be accepted by Christ. We'd rather gain everything, be have all the things in life that we think brings us happiness, but at the end of the day, we have nothing because we don't have Jesus Christ. You see, there are many people who think that money can buy happiness. And you know what? Money can probably buy happiness for a little while. 
But the reality is, is that once that money is gone, what's going to happen? You see, money is only there for a while. Just like someone who invested a whole bunch of money into a brand new car that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You see, you can buy a car, but the reality is you have to take care of it. The reality is if you hit a, a pothole in our streets, the car is damaged. You see, we want to invest in things that are eternal. And the only thing eternal is our relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, it's saying, for what does it benefit? Or some words say, what does it profit someone if he gains the whole world? You know, as, as you think of a young people, and, and I know growing up, as I think of the gangster rap era where you saw so many gangster rappers having all the gold chains and having the gold tooth and having all these fancy cars and all of these different things that, you know what, they look like they were very happy. But what you see now is a lot of these same rappers are either bankrupt, dead, and they have nothing to show for it because, you know why? They invested in things that were not eternal. You see, for me, I remember growing up listening and seeing the, the Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. And, and seeing just that whole, you know, gangster rap and seeing how these guys were at war with each other. But yet people were just buying their albums and having all these things. And they had all the cars, the women and everything that you could dream of. But yet we know that they lost their lives. You see, we need to be very careful because what we invest our, our lives in and what we invest our money and time in is what we see is the most important thing to us. And that's what this verse is saying. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his whole soul? You see, we need to understand that if we pursue everything in this world and we pursue all these worldly things and we don't pursue Christ, then we're just wasting our lives every single day. You see, I think too many times in life we think that once we have the brand new phone, the brand new computer, the brand new whatever it is, we're happy. But I want to ask you a question because I want us to consider on a Christmas morning as a kid. You wake up, you have this nice gift, and you know, you've been waiting the whole year for this particular gift. You open up this gift and you get this great satisfaction and he's like, oh, what a great gift. And you're like, you're ready to use it. Um, and you have, you know, you have batteries for this thing or whatever it may be. But then you realize exactly that, you know what? This is only going to be a temporary thing. Because you know what happens is as soon as you get the new iPhone, a new Samsung Galaxy, the next one is out. And you, that old, the, the old one becomes, I want something newer. You see, we can invest in all these different things and think that we have it all together, but the reality is is that these things will fade away. You know, when you consider an Xbox, you consider Nintendo, all of these come in new systems almost every other year. But the reality is, is that we're not satisfied because we always want what's new. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and we come to a relationship with Him, this is eternal. You see, God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's always there for us. And we need to recognize this as we consider what is most important to us. As we consider this verse again, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? I want to challenge you this morning. What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the things of the world or are you pursuing Jesus Christ? 
Because the reality is if you're pursuing the things of the world, you have to understand that there's going to come a time when those things are not going to bring you satisfaction because they're going to rust. They're going to fade away. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, this relationship that we have with him, this is eternal. He's there for us all the time. We can call on him all the time. And I just want to challenge you to really consider what is the most important thing to you. Because if it is Jesus Christ, you will invest all that you can into him. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening to You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, this morning, I'm very pleased and thankful to the Lord to have Sister Phyllis Newby in the radio studio with me. Good morning, Sister. Good morning, Pastor Elliot. It is so nice to have you in Nassau. You live and minister in Haiti. Yes, Pastor. And how many years have you lived and ministered in Haiti? Since 1972, 48 years. 48 years. And may I ask you, how many years young are you? <laughs> um, 81, Pastor. 81. I was 81 on my last birthday. So you're, you're in your 82nd year. Yes, sir. <laughs> Radio listeners, if you could see Sister Phyllis, you'd be quite amazed. She uh, is doing so well, so beautiful and so healthy. We're grateful for that. How many years have you had a friendship and a partnership with Calvary Bible Church? I try to think, and I believe, at least 42. 42 years. And I can assure you listeners that she is so loved by our church family. We have the utmost of respect for Sister Phyllis. Sister Phyllis, where are you from originally? I'm from Jamaica, Boston. And uh, the Lord spoke to you uh, many years ago in Jamaica. And what did he lead you to do? He told me I had given myself to the Lord for missions, but I didn't know where. And then he confirmed that it would be Haiti. Haiti. And how did uh, people in Jamaica respond when you said, I am going to be a missionary in Haiti? Uh, many, many people thought I was crazy. Crazy. One pastor actually told me, that I was crazy. He actually said that? Yes. How sad. He, he repented ahead. immediately. He did repent. Immediately. He knew that he hadn't spoken properly. Right. Well, good for him that he admitted that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were contemplating coming to Haiti, um, did you know what you were to do? No, that was what made it sound even more crazy. People would ask me, what are you going to Haiti to do? And I said, I don't know. The Lord sent me to Haiti, so I'm going. That's beautiful. And in the church service the other day, you've been serving those years in Haiti. I said, what? what's the, what's the secret of, of long-standing missionary service? And do you remember what you said? You said, God called me to Haiti and... He hasn't told me to leave, so I'd say. <laughs> I love that. Yes, sir. I love that. To God be the glory. So as it turned out, you got to Haiti, and the Lord began to lead you into what he wanted done through you. And what did he show you to do? First thing I did was vacation Bible schools with kids and how they loved it. Mm. And uh, I can still remember the first week. The first week I started, 
I would take my breakfast. I lived in a pension where you paid by the week or by the month as it is. I see. And I took my breakfast, which was usually an egg and two slices of bread. Yes. And I would separate it in about three or four. And then for different things, you would get a piece of egg and bread. I see. Like, you mean in the vacation Bible school? In the vacation Bible oh, school. Oh, so you shared your breakfast. I gave my breakfast. <laughs> and then um, I kept praying that the Lord would send me some money. Yes. So I could give the children lemonade and bread for the closing day. Yes. And... Um, the Thursday, we were closing on Friday. The Thursday, I walked to the post office a long distance away and just hoped and prayed that there would be a letter. And there was a letter from a friend of mine, and it had $10. Oh. I was jumping high. <laughs> the children had their lemonade and their bread, and Vacation Bible School became a hit. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> wow. And the faith the Lord gave you to count on him for the money to do that special final day. I know this is uh, hard for you because of your uh, 81 years and close to 50 years of serving in one place. But could you tell us some of your favorite answers to prayer? I know it's hard because you've had so many prayers answered. Uh, one of the most, um, I wouldn't say exciting at the time, I don't know what we would call it. There was a man at the hospital, we have a hospital on the property, and there was a man there with, I forget what kind of illness he had, but he succumbed almost to the anesthetic. Yes, so, uh, okay. So that he could he could be operated on. Yes. And uh, he couldn't be awakened. So they ran down to the house and they said, the, the house where I live is between the hospital and the orphanage. Yeah. And they ran down to the house and they said, we have somebody who is dead. And I said, no. I said, Jesus, Jesus. And I kept running to the hospital and kept calling out on Jesus. And we got there and I said, let's pray. And we prayed. Uh -huh. And the anesthesist said, he's awake. He's awake. Praise the Lord. He's awake. You can imagine our shouting oh, and our, our rejoicing. Yes. Wow, that's a beautiful uh, story, a true story. Um, now, over the years, Vacation Bible School uh, turned into orphanage ministry. And what? how did that happen? Um, no, uh, over the years, we went from Vacation Bible School to church building. Okay. Church building. We... Um, went out and visited in the neighborhood, visited homes, invited people to church. And if there were needs that we could help with, then we helped with those needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we started a church. And from the church, we started other churches. Yes. In fact, how many churches do you currently have uh, some responsibility to encourage? We have 
297 on the books. 297. On the books. And we have at least 10 waiting for us to put them on the books. Wow. And you said, why not, why don't you have them on the books? Well, I like to give some kind of help and assistance because it all needed. And um, it doesn't take more than about 25 US dollars, but that sometimes is hard to come by. So we wait until we get some offer of help and we add one or two as the case might be. I see. So um, we're going to be talking about the churches you're associated with, as we just have, but we're also going to be talking a little bit about some orphanages you have connection with. Yes, yeah, sir. So let me just say at this point in our visit, if a listener wanted to donate some money to the ministry of these churches and or the orphanages, how could they do that? Um, what if they would like to donate it through you? Through Calvary Bible Calvary, Church, yes. yes. We can uh, make sure it gets to you. Yes. Uh, Calvary has never failed to support me. Never failed. Praise the Lord. That's great. So, listener, if, as these stories are, are being told and the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to give a small gift, a medium, or even a large gift to the ministries that Phyllis Newby has a part of in Haiti, then you could send... Uh, a check to Calvary Bible Church, and you could put on the memo line of the check, uh, Phyllis Newby, and we'll be sure that the 100% of what you would give would be uh, given over to our sister for her ministries. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.